Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, live from Palo Alto. Washington defeats Stanford 20-13 to with a last-minute touchdown to Jalen Millen to seal the victory. And uh, tournament announced attendance of 28,014. And if there was 28,000 people here, I am uh, 7'4". I would guess that there was maybe fifteen to 17,000 to begin the game. And I would guess that... After halftime, less than 10,000. Uh, this place was just empty. Uh, temperature at game time was 58 degrees, and it steadily kind of decreased. And the moisture on the, the natural grass here definitely, I think, had an impact of a little bit of slipping and sliding. And actually, guys, I was a little concerned if Washington was going down to try to tie the game with a field goal. There was a lot of just that dew on the ground, and if Peyton Henry was going to attempt a long field goal, I would be concerned with uh, his footing on there as wet as it was and torn up up there. But uh, nice win for Washington, and I don't know. I mean, you guys are out there on the message boards and stuff. Can you just feel just the weight off of the program's shoulders right now? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not, not even close. Not oh, even close, maybe. Kim. No, I mean, what you're experiencing down there, when you're next to the locker room and you're hearing the jubilation and the celebration, everything like that, there's nothing like that going on on the message boards at all. If anything, yeah. they just think that this is another stay. This is just another, you know, this is just another week away from the inevitable. Um, yeah, no, I think there were a lot of people that were hoping Washington was not going to pull this game out. And that's unfortunate to say, and I certainly don't want to, um, paint with a broad brush because I know there's plenty of Washington fans that are thrilled about this win, but the overall, the, the, the people that are the most vocal on the message boards right now are the ones that aren't seeing the victory. They're seeing yeah. all the yeah. reasons why they shouldn't have won this game or I'm all right the now. reasons why Washington should have won by, you know, 35 to, to, uh, 16 or whatever, or 13 or 12. Well, I'm telling you what, this locker room, you know, where we're doing post game. I mean, we're not very far away. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, they had the music blasting in there. You could hear Jimmy Lake screaming. It was loud. They were doing say who, say what. They were playing Purple Rain. There was a lot of pounding. And, you know, the uh, reporters down here for the Bay Area were just kind of looking at the SID. It was just going to be like this for the whole press conference. <laughs> and, you know, they're just kind of going, maybe. So it was a pretty chaotic atmosphere, um, you know, post game. Um, you know, and, um, you know, these guys are going to have to do their best to tune out those that want to be critical and negative, but you know, Hey, it's a road win, road win in the PAC 12 against Stanford. It was a tough game. I mean, this was a really tough physical football game, you know, and, uh, you know, that's what, that's what guys like to play. And, uh, let's just go ahead and start right off the bat. Carson Bruner, 
Huge game. First start for Carson Bruner, 15 tackles, a tackle for loss, a forced fumble. Uh, he also had a sack, and uh, it was kind of uh, interesting seeing him and Peter, uh, Peter Sermon's son, Jackson, out there at the same time. What did you guys see out of uh, well, Carson Bruner tonight? I saw a guy who was attacking the hole in the line of scrimmage a lot more than sitting back on his heels. You know, There were some times he didn't guess right, but for the most part, he did guess right, and he read things right. And uh, when he hits guys, they usually stop in their tracks or they go backwards. So very impressed with Carson. Would will love to watch him over the next couple weeks, next you know five weeks as Washington wraps up their season. Yeah, yeah guys, I was going to say this. This reminds me, Kim. This reminds me honestly of when Edifuel on Ulafosio had a real breakout game at Oregon State. You know, in, an, in another very low scoring game back in 2019. The, the 19-7 game, I think it was what it was. And, you know, another game where Washington's offense just stalled and stalled and stalled and just couldn't get anything going until, you know, they had a long run. I think it was Savannah that had a long run at the end. Yep. But, yep. you know, this was a game where he was literally – and, we you know, the forced fumble that was recovered by Savelle Smalls, huge point in that game, huge turning point in, in, in terms of winning the turnover battle. Um, but, yeah, he was everywhere. And, and like Scott said, I mean – that was shades of old school. You know, you go back to Ben Burkirvan, you go back before that when you look at Keyshawn Bieria and Azeem Victor and guys like that. That was a guy who was going downhill to the line of scrimmage all night long. It was very impressive. Well, Daniel Humuli was the starter last week down in Arizona, you know, and Jimmy addressed that, you know, um, and he said, you know, I mean, in a nutshell, to paraphrase, he said that uh, Carson separated himself this week in practice. So, uh, good for Carson Bruner. I thought Jackson Sermon also had a nice game. Um, yeah, and it but, wasn't, uh, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Bruner didn't have a lot of snaps at Arizona. He still had over 40 snaps. Yeah. And so it wasn't like he wasn't playing at all, but to get that first start, I think he really rose to the occasion, no doubt. Well, I think the other thing, the big factor is they got Taki Taimani back. And I yep. think Taki makes, I mean, with Taki and Thule in there, and then, uh, you know, what you see with Boy Tanufi doing in there, uh, Ooh, I mean, Boy, he had, Boy a great had game. another big game. He had another big game, you know, so, um, you know, uh, Tuatele was in there, Jacob Bandis was in there. So you're seeing in all of these guys, and Jimmy keeps up pointing out how young all these guys are, but I thought Taki Taimani made a huge difference in there. Yeah. I think he did, and and to be honest with you, I know a lot of people are going to poo-poo it and and say that you know Stanford's the worst rush offense in the league, and it's true, totally. But they're also top three in terms of of a passing, and to keep those guys to less than 200 yards, and to really make those guys kind of a non-factor down the field. I mean, Urasek. I mean, you, you saw how good he was. I mean, a lot of people wondered why I had Stanford has a, a slight advantage at the tight ends with my prediction. It's because of that guy, Urasek. Was he was really critical. For Stanford early on trying to get, you know, field position, get down the field. But, you know, once they kind of, once they kind of figured him out a little bit, they really, I mean, Tanner McKee was pretty much held in check. And again, I think a lot of it goes back to what the defense was doing at the line of scrimmage. You get those two sacks from Voitanufi. You get a sack from Carson Bruner. You get four tackles for loss. And, you know, compare and contrast a little bit. You know, Dylan Morris by, did not have a great game at all, really, until the very end. But still, no sacks, only a couple tackles for loss for Stanford's defense. I thought, really, to be honest with you, this game plan was pretty simple. And as long as Washington won the line of scrimmage, they were going to win this game. And they, hey, and they won it most of the night. 
Yep. Hey Scott, what was what was interesting was uh, you know the um, maybe you could talk about this a little bit, but they were without Asa Turner. Cam Williams was here, warmed up. I don't know if he got in the game or not. If he did, he didn't play very much. But uh, start of the game, they had uh, Mish Powell uh, in the slot, and then they had Bookie Radley uh, Hiles back uh, playing safety, and then again they were putting um, Mish Powell out wide, and then putting Kyler Gordon in the slot, uh, and then. I mean, they were playing a lot of different uh, schemes, and you know, Jimmy talked about that a little bit. Some little bit, uh, changes that they made. What do you see out of the different guys that they had in there? Because Mish Powell played quite a bit tonight. Yeah, he did, and so did Dominic Hampton. Probably the most he's played on on defense, wouldn't you yeah. say, Chris? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's for sure. He, yeah. He's uh, I haven't seen him play that much. He had five tackles on the night. He was physical. He was he was a presence in there, and that was something that I said. In our game preview, uh, Kim, you and I, when we did our preview podcast, and also um, I said it in um, in my in my game prediction, and I thought I and I said it in our keys to the game that is this the chance to see Dominic Hampton come in and be a factor in this game, and he was, and um, you know, great uh, presence by the by the uh, secondary. I thought the secondary played really well. I mean that. That hold on Trent McDuffie was a great call. I mean, it was the right call, but it, you know, it, other than that, I mean, he played a flawless game. I thought he was really good against those bigger receivers. So it was Kyler Gordon. And, uh, you know, Kim, like you said, they gave different looks. It was kind of nice to see the coaches mix things up a little bit and, and, uh, and, and kind of maybe I, I would imagine they threw Tanner McKee off a little bit by giving him some looks that he isn't used to seeing. They were also without Alex Cook. We're not sure when Alex is going to be back. And of course, earlier in the day, uh, you know, we've been hearing rumors about Ryan Bowman being out for the year for quite some time. Jimmy said he would address all the injury issues on, um, on Monday. So, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Did, did you guys notice if Cam Williams did indeed get in the game or not? He I did not. He did not. He did not get in the game. I was looking at the participation, uh, participation chart. He did not play in the game. All right, and one other injury that Jimmy mentioned post game, he said that Kamari Pleasant was a little bit dinged up from last week. But you know, let's talk about that running game. Uh, oh. You know, like, I, I mean, this is this is what we envisioned. I think this is the running game that Jimmy uh, hired John Donovan for to run the ball like this with you know Sean McGrew. Let me take a look at the stat sheet. Sean McGrew had over 100 yards and he had 114. Uh, yeah. 114 and Cam Davis had 99. He actually had 104, but he had a five yard loss on one of the runs. But, uh, no, when you have two running backs at 100 yards, I think that's what Washington envisioned all year long. Yeah. Yeah. They, run- yeah. Oh, I was going to say real quick, they, 2016 against Colorado was the last time when, uh, Miles Gaskin and LeVon Coleman both had over 100 yards. So it's been that, it's been five years. So this would have been a real watershed moment. And you're right, guys. This is, this is exactly how Jimmy Lake would have wanted to draw it up if they you, if you could go back, you know, 2 years to when he got hired. This is the kind of scenario that he would have wanted to play out. Now, obviously, they want to be more efficient in the red zone. They want to be able to t- turn those field goals into touchdowns. But yeah, the run game was perfect and this is the this is what we would have wanted to see from the offensive line all year long. But again, people are going to look at it and go Stanford has the t- number 12 rushing defense in the Pac-12. You should be able to run against those guys. But you know what? They did. You know, it, it wasn't given to them. They took it, and they made the most of it. What did you see out of Cam Davis, Scott? 
uh, <laughs> guy got downhill. He started running with some confidence late in that game. That uh, pitch play to him to get them the first down on that outside run was awesome. Um, I, I was going to say, Scott, real quick, yeah. on that play, on that particular, because everyone's going to look at the pass from Morris to Jalen McMillan as the key play, obviously, in that in that scenario. And then, obviously, the when uh, Morris called his own number on the uh, on the read zone. But I'll tell you what, on that pitch play, you know, McMillan sealed that he sealed that edge really, yep. really well, and basically made it so that Cameron, da- you know, Cameron Davis had, you know, he was going to get past the line of scrimmage. He was going to get that first down. Now, if he was going to get more out of it, that was on Davis. But McMillan pretty much ensured that that, that play was going to get a first down. I thought that was huge. Yep. Yeah, and then in addition, you know, and I talked to Jimmy a little bit about this after the game, Jackson Kirkland, you know, your, your, uh, you know, big time left tackle out again with, uh, Troy Fatan, who starting his second game. And I sense that he may have been a little bit more comfortable out there and had a lot better game and, uh, you know, really contributed to that running game. Yeah, I thought he played really well in, in Jackson Kirkland's stead and, and uh continues to gain confidence. I thought Mateo Melee played pretty well out at right tackle when they subbed him in. Uh Vic Kern had his moments. They uh they were spotlighting Henry Bainavalu quite a bit on on some of his pulls. Um so yeah, I, I thought the offensive line played probably its best game, if not in two years, then definitely this year. Best part of the game, by the way. Four penalties on Washington, four penalties on Stanford, the referees we're pretty much letting them play pretty much error-free game on the penalty side of the game, but uh, three turnovers is, is that? I think that's the story of the game right there. Oh, absolutely! Because Stanford ha- is on Washington's fifteen, gets intercepted. Um, Stanford's on their own. I don't remember what it was, what they were on, but you know, Bruner gets in, gets the gets the sack for the forced fumble and Savelle Smalls falls on it right there. And Washington was able to get a score um, out of that three points out of that. And then, and then the ending of the game, I mean, it, it, you know, McKee really didn't have much choice. He had to throw it down the field since they didn't have any timeouts, but uh, yeah, uh, Brendan Randley Hiles gets the interception, racks up the game. I mean, it's, it, this was, Probably as good of an all all around win as Washington has had in quite some time. Washington, no turnovers, no turnovers, yep. and only four penalties. That's a good combination. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, you could kind of. I was going to say, the, guys, he, that well, that Kate Otten, that Kate Otten play. I'll tell you what, yeah, you know, obviously he's going to regret, you know, giving up that ball and that fumble. But I'll tell you what, such a heads up play for him yeah. to be able to to make a play on the on the Stanford player. I thought it was Kelly to begin with, but it was 18 and not 17. And for him to be able to make a kind of a snap, because you know you could tell for just a brief second he was looking around like where's the ball, and then as soon as he located it, for him to dive and basically not allow that Stanford player to like actually get possession of that ball. Kudos to the Pac-12 refs. We don't we don't uh, kind of single them out very often for getting it right. And then this review took forever, but they got it right. And that's all that ultimately that's all that matters is they got it right. That's the important thing. They went to a commercial break, and then when they came back from the commercial break, the teams you know started to go back out, and then they said the last play is under review, and everybody's going, "What?" <laughs> so it was just kind of. Yeah, it was the longest review ever, you know, especially with that timeout. But uh, uh, just uh, uh, 
fourth down plays too, Scott. I wanted to make sure we yeah. touch bases on that. Yeah, I mean that was basically two turnovers right there. I mean they don't count that way in the in the uh, stat sheet, but they were basically two turnovers. You know, Washington goes for it on fourth and one the sneak. Um, yeah, and everybody just, in the stadium knew it was coming. By the yeah, way. you did, you did, and um, Luke Wattenberg got blown up and got pushed back right into Morris. Everybody blames Morris. That wasn't Morris's fault. That was Washington's offensive line kind of getting blown up. But, um, you know, hey guys, then, also on the first one, on the very first one, because that was the second fourth down play. But the first one was the one where um, the guy came over the top of Ondunze, but the ball kind of got a little bit deflected or it came off. of. I thought his arm got hit rather. His arm hit. got hit because Mateo Mele was the right tackle on that play and got mm-hmm. absolutely. He got the guy ghosted him. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to figure out why Mateo Mele was in the game. So obviously we're going to have to maybe ask uh, Jimmy on. Monday, what that was all about, because there still is that thing with him and Vic Kern, who is who's the right tackle. I mean, he's Kern's getting the starts, but clearly they like what what Melee's giving them. But on that particular play, man, he did not protect the front of, of Dylan Morris at all on that play. I mean, just absolutely exposed. On the sneak, did the ref blow the whistle a little early on that? No, I thought he was down. I, I thought he was short. Where the the bad the missed call was on the third down because Davis had the first down. Yeah, not opinion. a great not a great spot. But again, when you when when you're on the road and you're in a place that mm-hmm. you haven't won in almost 15 years, you should not expect the refs to be in your pocket ever yeah. on the road to begin with anyway. So they they should have expected that the the, the refs were going to be against them and all this stuff, even if they aren't. I mean, and I'm not saying the the Pac-12 refs were at all because I don't think so. And in fact, to be honest with you, over the the balance of the game, I think Washington got some 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 good things kind of went their way a little bit. But on those particular spots, those were rough spots. Yeah, the the yeah. the one at Davis when the referee is coming in from the sidelines, he gets bumped by a player off of his line because he, yeah. he was going to come in and mark that good. Yeah, but he got yeah. bumped off the line and then. Uh, came in and it was about what six inches short, whatever it was. Yeah, just looking down the stat sheet real quick. Oh, Washington, 42 carries for 229 yards on the ground. Uh, Stanford, 27 carries for 71 uh, total offensive plays. And Washington had 67. That may be uh, maybe the Arkansas State game they had more offensive plays, but uh, that seems a little on the higher end. Uh, Stanford had 265 total yards. Um, Turnovers, um, you know, Washington with the three turnovers, of course. Third down conversions, I thought Washington did a good job of holding Stanford on third down, uh, four of 12. Uh, one of the most important stats is Washington is doing really well in the red zone, not necessarily touchdowns, but they were five of five in the red zone again uh, today. Sean McGrew, 19 carries for 114 yards. Cameron Davis, six, 18 carries for 99 yards. Dylan Morris, 17 of 25 for 146, one touchdown, zero sacks, which is a big number. Jalen McMillan, six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Rome Odunzi, six catches for 37 yards. And another one that kind of jumps out at me, Kate Otten was only targeted two times in the game, and uh, he got both of those two uh, for 13 yards. That uh, fourth down play where they threw to uh, Roma Dunsey, I'm not sure why he wasn't looking at Kate Otten on that. But, uh, you know, if you want to give a player to the game, by the way, you know, just uh, Peyton Henry was money. Uh, 24, 37, 32, and 
35, but uh, he was money on all of uh, his field goal attempts tonight. Yeah, he was. He certainly was. You know, my my offensive player of the game is going to be Sean McGrew, but I could have given it to him or Cameron Davis. Yeah, uh, just the atmosphere down here, you know, post-game uh, was just a lot different than we've seen in a long time. I asked Sean McGrew about it, and he said probably the last time they had a locker room like that was Utah last year. So, um, you know, if you're not happy for the win, that's on you. But you got to be happy for these kids because these guys, uh, you know, that locker room was something else, uh, you know, tonight. So uh, wrapping it up, anything else we need to cover, guys? I was just curious, guys, if you if you think that, you know, especially from what you saw, Kim, and where you were able to tell, could could you get a sense from the sidelines and whatnot that they, even though there were some frustrations with not with them not being able to punch it in in the red zone, that generally speaking they were pretty happy with the kind of the play mix and because it, it certainly looks like Donovan was trying to definitely do some different things. People were asking about a trick play this week and when's the last time they did a trick play and clearly they tried to do a trick play with the double double pass, but it. You know, they were still able to get a first down out of it. And I was just curious if, if, if you got a sense that the, you know, the, the, the play mix was there and stuff. Cause I, I seem to think that there were some, there, there were some things that they were doing that, um, they had success against. I didn't sense that at all. I, I tense, you know, Jimmy kept on talking about it was going to be a war. And it, I mean, it was almost like Ollie Frazier, you know, Hearns and Leonard. I mean, it was smash mouth football. And, uh, I, I mean, I just think that both teams really enjoyed playing this type of game. And uh, I didn't sense the team was getting high. I didn't sense the team was getting low. I think that the team was more focused than I'd seen them in a while because they knew the type of game that they were in. And it was a tight game. Um, and it also looked like, and I haven't seen them have, I haven't seen this in a while. They looked like they were having fun out there. They really did. You know, and I haven't seen that in a while. And that's kind of the sense that I was getting on the sidelines. So, um, even even no, even with the even with the fourth down plays in the fourth quarter, the no sense of frustration, nothing like that. No, I didn't. I didn't see it. You know, I and it was like I said. You know, it was just like you know, hey, you know, we got to go out for another round. I mean, Bookie Radley Hiles, you know, uh, came behind the bench on one of the plays, and he's hyping the guys up, and there was a little kid in back of the bench screaming at him. And, Bookie takes his gloves off and he goes over and throws them at the kids. He yells, give me another set of gloves, you know? So, um, no, it was a different atmosphere down here, you know, and I liked it. It looked like they were having fun. And like I said, you know, they were just in the middle of the, you know, in a, in a, you know, a boxing match, you know, in a brawl, you know, and they seem to enjoy it. So, and I think that's what Jimmy Blake wants this team to be, a team that's going to compete and play like that. I mean, you know, it seems, it's so weird. It seems so weird to be thinking about, you know, a heavyweight fight analogy against a team that's 12th in the league in running the ball on it offense and 12th it, in the it, league in stopping matter. the it run. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like, you know, you watch an MMA fight and just because they're not the top ranked guys, that doesn't mean it can't be a good fight. You know, it's all about the matchup and just the way that these two teams matched up. They made it a good football game, even what? though they're not the best teams in the league, and even though they may not be this good at what. But I thought it was a hell of a matchup. I, I get the I get I get the idea that the styles make the fights. I, I understand that totally. What I'm telling you is, it feels weird that Stanford would still have a reputation in the eyes of Washington as being a smash mouth team when they clearly don't smash they don't smash anybody in the mouth anymore. They're nothing like they were ten years ago. 
I thought it was a pretty physical game out there, you know, on the field. So, um, you know, yeah. one one thing I wanted to point out: what did you did you find it interesting, Chris? Because Kim, I doubt you noticed this, but Tucker Fisk, their their tight end, who had a big ball on his on his left hand, I think, um, played played both ways. Yeah, I also noticed that uh, Kyler Gordon had like a something on his wrist, on his right wrist, when they were warming up and stuff. I noticed that he had uh, a decent sized wrap. On his right wrist, not, it wasn't balled up or anything, so you know that wasn't a problem. I mean, he was still able to, you know, get to balls and thought he had a great game. But yeah, there, you know, there's some weird. There was some some definite personnel stuff. Like you know, this is the first time we really saw Javon forward play a bunch and you know get his get a carry. Um, you know, tried to help a little bit in the red zone when he could. Tried to lead those guys a little bit because I think we saw you know they had the RPOs and they had the run the zone reads and stuff. But I thought we also saw more of the the trapping and the and the and the pulling and the the powers and the counters and some of the stuff that you would see from maybe some some older school run game that seemed to be pretty effective. I thought we we saw a little bit of that starting with UCLA and then we saw more of it obviously against Arizona and even more of it um, tonight. So I I think we're probably going to see continue to see more as long as they have success with it. Did you guys notice Jack Westover tonight? I didn't I didn't remember seeing no. him out there. Did not saw, saw Mark Redmond saw um, forward obviously saw David Culp saw Otten I didn't see the other one yeah he was definitely suited he was here so mm-hmm. yeah did but not he, see did not see him play and he's not in he's not on the participation chart right final thoughts Scott uh, great home win or I'm sorry great road win and um, Washington is four and four by some miracle here <laughs> four and four on the season. And uh, they head home to face off against, well, what was seventh ranked Oregon, and they're probably going to be higher than that now. But uh, um, yeah, it's I, you know, we're at 500. It's it's hard to believe we're at we're where we are considering how things started off. So um, great way to win win this game. Um, people didn't lost a lot of confidence and thought it was Oregon State all over again. It wasn't. And uh, Washington benefited. Hopefully they can continue to build on stuff like this uh, for the future. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters? Yeah, second uh, road win. Second road win where they had to come from behind. And, um, you know, like Scott said, you know, a lot of people thought it was Oregon State. I thought it was Oregon State when they when they missed the fourth down play again in the sneak. But then it turned into the Cal game where they kind of, they were winning the game and then they were kind of, they were either getting tied or they were going to lose and then they came back and won it. So, you know, this team has a lot of facets to them and, and, and in many ways they make life for themselves very, very difficult. But if I'm Stanford, if I'm a Stanford fan, I'm even more livid, um, because they could have won this game over a Washington team that simply just didn't take advantage of their opportunities until literally 20 seconds were left in the game. So for Washington to be able to do that, that that shows that they have a, a a gutsiness about them and a resilience, and they should absolutely celebrate this win because it's, you know, again, it's hard to not be cliche about it, but it's tough to win on the road. It's tough to win these types of games, these slugfests and these heavyweight fights that that Jimmy Lake wants to characterize them as. Um, and by the way, for the people that don't know or, or uh, were late to it, the Oregon game time is 4:30, and it'll be on ABC. So. 4:30 game should be it's going to be prime time on the East Coast. I know some people were asking about game day, whether or not it'll be a game day. I doubt it. 
just because they did game day with Oregon a couple weeks ago down at UCLA. So I just don't see that happening again. But maybe I guess you can never say never. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it at this point, especially with a four and four Washington team. But it, it should be a hell of a good game. Uh, two teams that obviously really 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 need it badly, and the rivalry will speak for itself uh, in a week. Good win for Washington. They really needed this. Hopefully it turns the temperature down a little bit, you know, and for those who want to complain about this win, they just beat the team that beat, you know, uh, arguably top five team in the country. Stanford defeated Oregon and Washington just defeated Stanford. So, uh, sets up for, uh, a lot more of a rivalry game next week in Husky Stadium. You know, shout out to Carson Bruner. I thought that, uh, he had a hell of a game and, uh, Maybe a little bit of a difference maker out there. So uh, I'm looking forward to the game next week. We've got Jimmy Lake on Monday. We've got uh, media Tuesday, Wednesday. We have an exhibition basketball game on Thursday. We have a game on Saturday and the official start of basketball season. Series going off on my watch. The official start of basketball season is Tuesday. So we start getting a little bit busy when football and basketball uh, overlap. So it's going to be a couple of busy weeks for us on out. And uh, just also, I got a chance to talk to uh, Mark Bruner a little bit on the sidelines and Dave Hoffman on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, Bruner, I mean, uh, Dave Hoffman just looking out there and seeing Sermon and Bruner out there. He was, he had a big smile on his face. So. Uh, uh, Dave's back living down here. Uh, for, you guys knew for a while he lived, he moved up to Tacoma. You knew that, right? I think so. Yeah. I assume if you miss Tacoma and he just looks at me real weird. So anyways, it's always good to see the hammer and, uh, you know, Mark Bruner, uh, you want to talk about a proud papa. Boy, you should see the smile on Mark Bruner's face. So anyways, uh, for all of us at dogman.com, just a reminder, if you want those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will hook you up. For all of us at dogman.com, after a nice win down in Palo Alto, California, 20 to 13, uh, Washington wins four and four on the season. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, go dogs. <laughs>